I am Brian, with me as always are Zach and Vince, and uh, we're going to talk about DC Comics, specifically the DC Comics that came out on July 11th, 2018, but first, we have a little bit of news, uh, starting this fall, uh, some people say it's November, some say it's December, we're going to have a new creative team on Wonder Woman, uh, uh, Carrie Nord is the artist, right boys? Mm-hmm. But the, the big story here is that G. Willow Wilson, co-creator of the current Miss Marvel, is coming over to DC to write the book. Um, this had been rumored. <laughs> Thank you, Vince. Uh, this has been rumored for quite some time uh, over at Bleeding Cool, and uh, I think it's a, I think it's brilliant for a couple of reasons. I, I think she's a great writer, and I think this is a good look for DC to have her as the writer of Wonder Woman. And especially following up on James Robinson's lackluster run, this seems like a really, really positive thing for DC. What do you boys think of this? I love it. I love it. I, she's one of my favorite writers, period. So I think DC getting her on anything is fantastic, and I think Wonder Woman is just the book for her. Um, <clears throat> I can't wait. This is one of my most anticipated books now that's coming. Uh, if the if the Grant Morrison stuff is true about Green Lantern, I'm I'm fucking over the moon now. <laughs> um, I, so I, to my shame, haven't read Miss Marvel. Um, I want to. I, it's just like one of those books that has gotten so far along that it's not like impenetrable. It's just like oh, I need to go back and start. Um, but I'm I think surprised it's great... by that because you're the most Marvel tuned in of the three of us. It seems. Well, but like I wasn't when that started, if that makes sense. Sure, sure. Yeah, so like I, I just kind of. Well, honestly, like really, I think, so I love the character in all the iterations that I have read her in, and especially in like Secret Wars. You know, I was like, I love Secret Wars, and she played, she featured like not super prominently, but she was in that a lot. Um, I feel like or she I, I feel like I remember seeing her a lot around that time. Um, and I think that was when I really realized that she was like a character that was going to stick. Um, because, you know, when I, I you know how Marvel tends to be. And I think I kind of part of me just expected her to be around for a little while and not not take root. Yeah, not to be as successful as, like, you, you know, to now have, I think, like, 50 issues under her run, which is pretty pretty impressive. Um, half an Asriel. Half an Asriel, yeah, which is, you know, unheard of these days. Of so course, isn't that over, like, three volumes, though? Yeah, it is over several volumes, it is. But um, but in total, still. It's not a true um, Asriel. But... Nah, you're right, you're right. <laughs> true. Um, but yeah, I think it's great and it's nice to have G Willow Wilson come back and do something, you know, the last time she was at DC, she was on the grounded run. She did a few fill in issues for, for Superman. And, um, like I remember them, they were fine. They kind of got like, I remember them getting like critically kind of 
crapped on, which is like sad because that run was already a hot mess anyway. Um, People demanded I, yeah. more JMS Superman playing I, basketball. I know, I know right? Um, and honestly, that was my introduction to her. Really, was were those grounded issues, and then she kind of went to Marvel and blew up. Um, yeah. It's a big get for DC. I mean, I know she's not exclusive. I think she said that she's still doing a lot at Marvel. Yeah. Uh, but still, she is definitely one of Marvel's most consistent and stable writers. Um, it's a big get, and it's a great. It's great for Wonder Woman, you know. Yeah. I yeah. Think it's still somewhat amazing to me that in the Rebirth era, there have only been was it three issues written by a woman for Wonder Woman. I- I think there were. Um, Shay Fontana did five issues. It was I five. Think. Okay, I thought it was three. I want to say it was like twenty-six through thirty. Yeah. Okay. Yep. You know, it's just it's insane. Um, they needed to. First of all, just in general, comics need better representation of of both female writers and minority writers, and it's just you know it's it's a problem that only gets better when publishers start actually doing something about it, and not just playing lip service, but actually hiring people from different backgrounds to write their books, and it's important to represent diversity on and off the page. So I think it's a great move from that perspective. But I also think if you read Miss Marvel, there's just such an energy that Wilson brings to that book, and such a positivity that Wilson brings to that book, that I feel like is a really nice anecdote for what we've been getting in Wonder Woman in the Rebirth era. Oh, yeah. like And I mean, like, you just talk about the ability to create a completely, you know, whole cloth new. I guess not whole cloth because it was based on Miss Marvel is essentially like a legacy character, but um, you know, to make a new character that uh, becomes so successful today in the big two is a huge thing. I mean, when's the last time DC has been able to do that? Yeah. I wonder what the last new DC character to get 50 issues is. Even across I mean, multiple titles. I would say maybe Batwoman. Yeah, I bet I bet it's Batwoman. Has she got the 50 over the two books? I'm sure oh, she, she probably has. Yeah, cuz there were like seven, there were at least like 20, probably almost 30 of the new 52 version and then if you count the tech run oh that's true uh, you count the tech run yeah okay that's a good call i mean uh, maybe there's been someone else that i can't remember i mean even the fact that new superman got 24 issues yeah is pretty crazy that is yeah you're right you're right um yeah i'm excited to see i i hope she really comes in and shakes up like the whole wonder woman mythology um puts a really unique spin on it um because rucka you know as good as rucka's run was it played it pretty safe yeah um i i i mean i don't want (laughs) to i always do this i always like go back to the azarella run but i i want something even wackier than that (laughs) mr wackier than that (laughs) <laughs> Mr. Well, I want inflatable Amazons. <laughs> oh, Zach, there, there's some websites you can go to. Abracadabra, <laughs> <laughs> oh. one, two, three, Zeus and uh, Achilles. Come and see. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sure. Yeah. 
All right, uh, so I, I, I'm sorry, Vince. Are you gonna say something else? No, I'm gonna go ahead. I was gonna say I uh, I wanted to talk to you guys about this. So last week, and this is not news. This is just, I guess this is Brian news. Uh, last week, I began the process I've been planning for a long time of sort of weeding out my comics collection, getting rid of stuff that I'm not gonna reread, and just sort of thinning out what I what I keep on hand. And so I have. The stuff I'm going through right now is pretty much New 52 and current. I've, I've already weeded out... So right before the New 52 started, I weeded out my collection to just sort of the essentials. Because I knew... I thought I was going to buy every New 52 comic and they were going to be great. And, you know, poor <laughs> young, naive Brian. So I'm going through these books and I, this my criteria for keeping stuff is sort of uh, threefold here. The first one is... I'm keeping anything that I feel I will actively reread in singles that I will dig out the long box and go and read again in the future. So that's one consideration. I'm also putting extra preference on books that I don't think will be easily found collected in the future. Um, And I'm putting an extra special preference on stuff that has back matter that may not be collected in the issue, like in the volume itself, you know, um, stuff with backups, that sort of stuff. So this goes, I guess, I guess I really did my, my big like weed out in 2010. So I have some 2011 stuff in there, some just pre-Flashpoint stuff. So I know what I'm keeping, but I want to ask you guys, sort of of the same era, what are, what are your like, essential, from a 2010 to 2018, essential runs you need in singles? <clears throat> do you want, do you want to go first, Zach, or do you want me to take? Or do you, do, you want me to, uh, do you want me to tell you what I'm keeping so far to give you guys time? Sure. Okay. So, um, I'm I'm keeping the Black Mirror stuff that whole run. Mm-hmm. Um, I want that in singles. I am keeping the James Robinson Shade miniseries because mm-hmm. uh, I didn't want to bind that with the uh, with some other like. Um, Starman Ephemera, you know, into one, uh, essentially a seventh anthology of, uh, of Starman stuff. Um, I'm keeping all of I Vampire. I don't know mm. if that will ever be reprinted because Fialkov left under less than great circumstances. And I don't know how, I didn't even look how hard those are to find, but I have all the issues. So I'll, I'll keep those. Um, I'm keeping, uh, the Genevieve uh, Valentine Catwoman run. Because mm-hmm. again, I think that might be one that will fall out of print with relative ease in the future because it wasn't a very long run. And even though it was sort of celebrated, it wasn't, uh, you know, it, it, it wasn't a huge hit. Uh, Dr. Fate, the Sonny Lou, Paul Levis, Dr. Fate series, the um, Rob Williams, Martian Manhunter series, uh, pretty much the entirety of. Snyder's Bat Run, pretty much up to issue twenty of all of the Lantern books of the New Fifty Two, like the, essentially the, the whole Johns era. Um, you know, at twenty, he he and all the people who were sort of working with him all left those books. I'm keeping all those. Um, the Lemire Superboy Run. Yes. Um, I'm I'm trying to think back to what else I I sort of put aside that's sort of a pretty good indication oh um like all the morrison bat stuff that i have from that era 
Like mm-hmm. I said, I took sort of half the run I already, I already had, you know, put aside. But Batman Inc., the latter parts of Batman and Robin, um, yeah, that that stuff. Uh, so, what about you guys? What What are some of the books that you would either keep yourselves or encourage me to go back and make sure I'm keeping? Okay, so <clears throat> I have just a few. I'm not going to say anything you've already said. Okay. Um, but I, I, I do a similar thing where I keep like specific runs or whatever, and I get rid of everything else. And, uh, Azarello and Chang's Wonder Woman would be in that for me. I have all of those and I'm, I'm never getting rid of those probably. See, I, I want those in a collection. I don't know. Okay. Why, but it just feels like, anyway, go ahead. Yeah. And, uh, and the, uh, Steph Brown Batgirl run from just before Flashpoint. Mm-hmm. I have that whole thing. Um, and that's like very near and dear to my heart. Um, same with the Red Robin. Oh, I, the, I, I am uh, keeping that whole run. Yes, I am. Y- yep. Yeah. Basically, basically, I have all the Bat books from Morrison's run on, and I think, and that includes like all the Bat Family books. So and they were all Tony, Tony Daniels, New Fifty Two, Death of Comics. Oh no! I mean, uh, like okay, pre-flash. Okay, sorry, okay. I mean, yeah, definitely not. I mean, like the pre-flashpoint. You know, like all the Bat Family stuff for that, Bat- including Batman and Robin, Batgirl, the Batwoman stuff. All of that stuff is like, oh man, to me that's like the best Bat comics you'll ever get. Yeah, in all these different forms, you know. Um, and then the only other one I think I can mention off the top of my head uh is the best new 52 book that there ever was dial h dial h baby <laughs> I, I actually put mine aside in case you were missing an issue i was gonna send them send you whatever oh you're no missing. i i got them all and in some cases i have multiple okay. issues so you can you can junk those if you want to you'd be a fool but you can Zach, <laughs> what about you um okay so do you want me to say like things that I actually still have or just things? Well, so like I'm actually in an inch. I've, I've been maybe not as like dedicated, but over, I kind of think last year I had a a move and I did a similar thing. Um, and I was kind of at a point where I was like not super high on comics. So I was maybe a little bit less, um, attached to i got rid of probably things that i may at other points not have gotten rid of uh but things i still have i'll try not to like mention too many things that you already mentioned but i do still have complete runs of the snyder batman and uh azarella chang uh wonder woman um and i will probably keep those and let's see and and the snyder batman includes his detective um let's see I think, I think I still have I Vampire somewhere um, and Dial H as well. I think I still have both of those. I actually bound the rest of John's Green Lantern run and then some of the um, associated other series and then got rid of, like, I got rid of all of Red Lanterns, I think. I didn't keep that. Or um, some of the, those other side series. Um but other than that, I do still have all of the Morrison stuff from that era, um, including several covers of various um, multiversity books. Like I have one of my favorite covers from that time is I think 
the first issue, like Multiversity number one, had a Chris Burnham variant that had um, Captain Carrot on it, mimicking the Action Comics number one cover. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Um, I have that. I'm very fond of that. But I don't know. I don't typically crack open singles to read very often. Um, a lot of stuff that I really, really like, I have since picked up in sales digitally. Um, and when I'm, you know, itching to read that, I'll just jump back in and read it, read it on Comixology or something. Yeah, I, I did forget to mention that I, uh, I am keeping my entire Blackest Night uh, run of everything, mm-hmm. uh, but I might be getting rid of some of my Brightest Day stuff. I uh... have all of that bound. <laughs> Brightest Day, uh, including like Hawk and Dove, and uh, okay. Well, no, so I didn't go. Either. I didn't go tie-in crazy with Brightest Day. I um, bought I got, everything with the banner. You're a crazy person. I bought <laughs> the main series, the Green Lantern stuff, and uh, I mean, if there was a book that I was already reading that tied in, oh, the one big thing that I forgot is I still have all of the um, Giffen Doom Patrol series pre-flashpoint oh, okay. oh wow because uh, i really I, I liked that run a lot the the brightest day stuff is interesting because like i i i'm not keeping like the, the that was the uh jt crawl green arrow that, <laughs> you know i don't care about but i i am i think i might bind um the justice league generation lost stuff because i remember mm-hmm. loving that but I, I if i reread that that might not age well Oh, I think I liked that a lot. Like, that had that really cool time jump issue about, like, six or seven issues in with Captain Adam. Yeah. I remember, yeah, I liked that run a lot. I don't have it. I have um, all of that still. I, I read that through um, less than honest means. But, <laughs> um, oh, the Robinson Justice League run, I have oh, all that. You think I'm getting rid of that? Come on. Oh, you guys. <laughs> Oh, OMAC. OMAC. The 8-issue eight, eight OMAC. I haven't yeah. gotten that deep in the New 52. I, I'm kind of working backwards. Oh. When, when I get to OMAC, I'll keep OMAC. Yeah. Yeah. OMAC, yes. OMAC debate. Yeah, it was It was just a very interesting, like, uh, look back on, like, there are some books I remembered so fondly, and I, I said that and I read a few issues, and I'm like, oh, God, this is not <laughs> what I remembered. But then, like, I picked up the first issue of the... Uh, Lemire Superboy run, and I was mm-hmm. like, all right, I have to put these down, or else I will be reading this all night long. <laughs> so it was just really good. Um, but yeah, that was fun. Um, I think there's a conversation to be had at some point about sort of what what we think we're going to be buying in the future in terms of digital versus print versus collections. I, I think as I get older, that conversation. I mean that that decision changes a lot. Yeah. I'm uh yeah, I am almost all um digital now. There are a few books that I still buy in print. Mostly Marvel ones that I just get because they have the codes anyway. Okay. Um and then some I'm still buying I'm buying Justice League in print right now and Saga just because I've gotten all of it in print so far. Um, and then maybe like a few random things here and there, but that's really pretty much it these days. 
it's funny, doing this show has eliminated the need for me to... Like, I, I feel like it, there used to be this, this moment of, like, I couldn't I couldn't trade weight stuff because I wanted I needed to read it right away, mm-hmm. but now because of our our like you know site obligations we read stuff right away anyway, so that's somewhat taken away. So my my love of of singles is not the same as it was before. I was a reviewer. Does that make sense? Yeah, it definitely does to me. Um, yeah. And it's also like I I used to buy singles primarily like after to a certain point I bought singles of things that I really thought that I would want to bind because especially like during the New Fifty Two era DC was horrible about the way they collected things yeah um, especially like crossover events there were like so many so much double dipping and and that sort of thing um, but now I think especially like with digital. Digital is just so much more convenient, and I'm super. Um, OCD is not the right word because I I don't have like a diagnosed condition about it, but I am really weird about. Like I worry about like paper degradation. Like that really bothers me. <laughs> like I were like I had, in fact, like I had collections and on my shelf that I started to notice like yellowing in. And it Whoa. bothered me so much, and from that point on, I almost kind of like was pushed to digital because I, I, I came to the realization that these things that I pour time and money in are just going to fade away, and that will bother me. And yeah. see, my fear is that all the money I've sunk into digital comics, that some company will go under at some point. Yeah, and all that'll be lost. Yeah, but I mean, like. It's owned by Amazon now. It's going to take a lot to get that. Uh... Yeah, it is. It's going to. Yeah, it's at least. Yeah. And now there's like, you know, and I mean, some things are nice, like Image and like some of the other like non big two companies offer, um, you know, DRM free downloads now yeah. or have for a while, which is really nice um, to have like some stability. Um, it's really the big two stuff. But honestly, there are very few big two books that. I revisit on even a yearly basis. Just remember, guys, that someday you will die and something's going to steal your carbon. Thank you, Modest Mouse. (laughs) That's a good place for a break since Vince just uh, quoted... um, What's the name of that album? Uh... That that was uh, we were dead, we were before, dead before the, the ship even sank. sank yeah. Uh, yep. Once you quote that, it's time for a break. So <laughs> we'll be back in just a second. I'll keep that in mind for next week. My name's Matt, and I'm Wes, and together we host That's the Issue, the comic book podcast that gets to know you through the issues that you love. Every month, we take a random, tangent-filled look through comic books and pop culture. And along the way, we cover everything from Doink the Clown to Mr. Blobby. Don't ask about the Mr. Blobby. We don't ask about the Mr. Blobby. <laughs> we do also talk about comic books as well. Like the weirdest comic books in your collection or your favorite comic book movies. So join us on the third Friday of every month on multiversitycomics.com or wherever podcasts are found. Blobby, blobby, blobby! <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd do that well. That's why I put it at the end. And we are back, but before we dig into the books this week, we have a little uh, a little update from the Midwest for you. Um, <laughs> so Vince lives in, in what's affectionately known as Walmart country. Um, 
I'm kidding. We all probably live pretty close to a Walmart. But Vince went to his local Walmart and bought each of the four first issues of... Uh, well, it's, there are four issue, four number ones, I should say, uh, of the new Walmart DC exclusives. And uh, he read the exclusive stories that are part of those. And so why don't you give us like a real quick rundown of what you thought of these books, Vince? And, and he, he's pers- personally responsible for the death of comics. Comics are over now. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's because yep. of Vince. He killed yep. the comic shop. I actually snuck in a spinner rack into my local Walmart, and that is the end now. That comic shops are, are dying all over the country because I put a spinner rack in Walmart. Um, no, I was, I was looking for one of those um, impeach number 45 uh, baby jumpers. <laughs> that they're selling and I came across these comics and I figured my money was probably better spent here. So, um, I, uh, I did buy each of these and for anyone keeping score at home, there was one, I, I bought them pretty early, I think, cause they came out on July 1st mm-hmm. and it was, it was maybe July 2nd or the third. I can't remember that I went in and bought these and there was one of each, uh, series left. There may have only been one of each of these in the store to begin with, so I think they're they're in pretty short supply. Um, well, ha- but hang on wait, a second. Yeah, well, let's ask some follow ups about this. So, I, I have a big follow up question. Go ahead, Zach. Where were they? Because I've heard that they are pretty hard to locate in the stores. They're they're right by the cash registers, um, by where you would buy like you know how like Targets and WalMarts have. Um, Pokemon cards and football cards and fidget spinners and shit by the by the uh, checkouts. Yeah, it's the parents who are at their last wit and need something to distract their kids during checkouts. They pick it up exactly. right there. Yeah. Okay. These, these were right there. Okay. I, I wonder if maybe they're in different places because that seems like a pretty logical place to put them. And I've heard – I saw some people talking about them on Twitter saying that they were in like the least um, – you know, reasonable spot in the store. Okay. Uh, they didn't elaborate, but well, it's okay. interesting because um, you know how they've been doing before they did this. These giants, they were doing like three packs of New Fifty Two comics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There, and those have always been by like the fidget spinner, by like the five dollar toy crap, by the checkouts, and those have always been there and so these just slipped right into that same there's like a dc box that every walmart got and these slip into that box and um so in the grand scheme of things you would think that these would go by the magazines or by the books and stuff no they're pretty much all at the checkout i i went to two walmarts my first walmart didn't have any so i went to a different one and found them but but the box, the DC Comics box, was in the exact same place in both Walmarts. So I think I'm guessing that's where you're going to find it at most Walmarts. Okay. My question was was that exactly was that is there could there be more than one location for that DC box in each Walmart? I I suppose there could be, but I'm I'm thinking like as as a rule, I'm thinking they're in the place that I'm talking about. Okay. As, I, I, as I have not set foot in a Walmart in literally years. I, I, I You're very fortunate. Yeah, I, I try my best not to. So I I'm talking out my ass when I ask these questions, but uh and then when you say that there was one left of, of each one, were they all in the same box? Or they're like, all in the same was box. There a display for Superman, display for Batman. 
Nope, they're all in the same box. It's like a generic DC Comics box, and they were just literally like one in front of the other. So there was not even any indication. Like if there were more, when they were originally stocked, if there were more than one issue each of these, they were probably behind other things, or they weren't in any like... Like there wasn't like all the Supermans were not here, and then all the Batmans were right, not right. here. You know, yeah. they were more or less randomly placed in there. And I feel like, I think uh, Heidi McDonald from the from Comics Beat has done a little bit of follow up on this, and I think she figured out that they're not even stocked by Walmart because when you when you buy them, and I noticed this when I bought them, on your receipt it says just a generic like five dollar magazine purchase it's not they don't specifically say dc comics giant or anything like that it says like it's like five dollar miscellaneous magazine so when you buy one walmart doesn't even know that that's what you bought well could that be just a temporary thing this is a brand new maybe i'm yeah of course that sure Yep, but there's no way of me knowing that, you know. Yeah, and I mean, like, I don't even like who knows how Walmart even handles their. Um, well, so her, like her, their... like, they like periodical thing. Yeah, yeah. Did she go into that? Yeah. So her, she thought that sometimes these kinds of items are stocked by a non-Walmart, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, like a, a truck comes in and and somebody stocks. Uh, magazines on Walmart's behalf. Right. And it doesn't ever go into their system. And so she was thinking, and I don't think, I don't know if she ever got any confirmation on this, but that this would be one of those cases where a third party completely is stocking this and Walmart's not even really keeping track of it. Hmm. So I'm going to try again next month to, I'm going to pop in at the beginning of the month and see if I can get the number twos. But I kind of feel like this is a a random I mean first of all these were supposed to come out over the course of the they were supposed to come out periodically during the month like two were supposed to hit in the first week and then another two were supposed to hit two weeks later right well they were all there on day one so they're already not following the schedule that they originally promised so I guess I don't know what to think. I mean, it seems to me like this is just a deal that they made for publicity's sake. And they're really not too focused on whether people are satisfied or that they're stocking enough of these. You know what I mean? It feels like the story has come and gone and now it doesn't matter anymore. What happens? Okay, I I don't disagree with that. But I'm wondering, I, I think I had said this in the show. If not, I had thought it and wanted to say it in the show that I wonder if they're using the summer as a soft launch, because all those big stories don't start until the third issue. Yeah, that's true. And so I wonder if this is just, you know, what they're doing for the summer, and then come September, it'll be a much bigger deal. But they wanted to get just sort of the product into stores to start, and, you know, to begin the process of of making a big deal of this. Sure, yep. I I still think this thing's going to, like, not go over... I, I think that these I w- I expect the the, the um, Bendis and Tom King issues to be selling for like upwards of fifty dollars on eBay yeah. the day that they come out and then maybe even they I if that's the case I will I think they're big Walmart speculator to, I think uh, they're going to be big speculator items for sure because mm-hmm. I think they're going to be hard to find I think they're going to be grossly underprinted. 
Yep. Yep. And I got them, baby. <laughs> so let's hear about these stories. Tell us about... All right. Just, just briefly about each of the four stories. Sure. Okay. So in the Teen Titans one, it's a, a Jurgens joint. Um, you get extremely Jurgens if you buy this comic. Uh, it's Jurgens and Scott Eaton. And they're doing a very standard... All of these... Com- okay. As a rule, all of these comics with the original stories are very standard introductory type things. So this issue is literally the Teen Titans taking on uh, who's the villain. Uh, I should have taken notes. Uh, the Disruptor. And I don't know if that's a... Is that is the, that a classic? The Interrupter? The the interrupter. Hey, aren't uh, you that guy that always finishes your sentences? There we go. Something, something about killing myself. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's the Teen Titans taking on the disruptor, and that's basically it. It's just them fighting in the streets, and it ends in like eight pages. Very standard stuff. Um, and it's it's more or less the the arrangement of Teen Titans you would expect. It's, um, let's see, it's Starfire, Raven, Beast Boy, um, it looks like Red Robin. This doesn't look like Damien to me. Uh, maybe it is. I don't know. It's not drawn, like, clearly. I'm pretty sure that's Red Robin. Yum. It, do- it does not look like Damien to me. Um, <clears throat> and... Yeah, so anyway, that, that was Teen Titans. And then Batman, you'll never guess what happens in Batman. They show we his get to, parents being killed. They show his parents being shot, yes. So this is uh, this is Tim Seeley and... Or no, this is Jimmy Palmiotti and Patrick Searcher. And um, basically Batman's looking for a missing little girl who's been, you know, it's probably been kidnapped and then that gives them an excuse to show the origin Bruce seeing things through the eyes of a young boy or whatever uh, when his parents were killed and that's basically that's basically that issue these are all very short very standard Superman is Jimmy Palmiotti and Tom Derenick and he's basically rescuing people who uh, how, whose houses are being destroyed in Tornado Alley and Again, it's just him flying around doing Superman-like things. You know, there's no, it's not breaking any new ground here. And then Justice League is Tim Seeley and Rick Leonardi. And it's very Wonder Woman-focused. Um, actually, Wonder Woman is the only Justice League member we see, I think. And she's like... She's like... Uh, fighting in the Middle East or some shit with uh, with Steve Trevor. And, yeah, there's not much to them. They're perfectly fine, but they're very introductory. They're, anybody, whether you read comics or not, can pick this up and learn, like, the most basic traits about all the characters, probably see a little bit of their origin again, and, you know, there's really nothing earth-shattering, Certainly nothing that would affect, like, the greater DC as a whole at all, you know? They really feel like stories you would find in an annual or, like, a anniversary issue, like Action 1000. Yeah. They're very much like Action 1000 where, like, the, the everything's made up and the points don't matter, you know? 
Um, but they're fine. I think they're, I think they're pretty good quality. I think the artists that they picked are not like earth shattering. Like nobody's running out to buy Rick Leonardi art, you know, but he does a really nice job with, 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 uh, Wonder Woman story, you know? So, and then the stories that they include, you know, are various, like, uh, the Justice League one includes the Flash from the New 52, the first issue. Justice League is the first issue of the New 52. Aquaman, same deal. I think those are all pretty solid stories. I mean, I feel I feel like some of them are better than others, but they certainly have their fans, and they, they've kind of... DC has decided that those stories are standing the test of time. The Aquaman movie is based on the New 52 right. Aquaman stuff. So they, they're picking and choosing what they feel really strongly about. And I think for the most part that works. One last thing I want to comment on, excuse me. One last thing I want to comment on is the, the quality of the paper. It's not like the shiny paper that you get in like modern big two comics today. It's very much the like flat papery, like, um, like a previews catalog would have. Hasn't there been talk of DC going back to that? I kind of hope they do because I like the feel of it a lot. I don't really like even if even if you say it's higher quality, I don't really like the glossy paper. I like this. I, I sat down and I read the first issue of JLA or of a JL the the Lee and and Johns issue, and the big takeaway was that I love reading it on this paper. I think it's great. That's I fun. might be crazy. Yeah, I agree. I I heard that Catwoman has already moved over to that new paper. Oh, really? I I saw a bleeding cool thing that it was the first book. I I don't think I've actually flipped through one. Have you gotten yours yet from DCS Vents? Um, it's probably in my box here. I didn't open it up yet. Okay. Yeah, I. You want me to talk amongst yourselves, and I can. uh, check on it confirm or deny yeah yeah uh zach are you gonna try and grab any of these or no i don't know like when the when the bendis and um and uh king ones come out i might try to go look i might do a test run with these next issues just to see if i can even find them um but i meant to do that with these first ones and then forgot so who knows (laughs) What I think is going to be interesting is if there is only one per store or two or three per store and the speculator market does heat up, is it going to be one of those things people are waiting at Walmart when it opens to run yeah. and grab it? I, I'm sure because, I mean, like you think about it, if they only get, like, say, two of each issue, I guarantee in most, like, decently sized cities there are at least, like, two people like us who are going to go look for those yeah but i mean walmart yeah. also like you know walmart also has stores in little like outpost towns so you're probably better right, off right. grabbing one there than trying to get one at their you know you probably are yeah to your nearest city or whatever right yeah so they're going to be people be people driving you know to rural towns to go to go try and track those down Okay, Catwoman is printed on the new old paper, <laughs> okay. All right. and I I like it a lot. Oh, I'm gonna. I don't know if you guys do remember the um, 
when Tomasi was still on Batman and Robin, there were the 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 um, apocalypse storyline where Damien died. Mm-hmm. Um, or no, he was he was already dead. Bruce was trying to resurrect him. Um, and there was one of those uh, like Omega one shots that like kicked off the story. And I think Andy Kuber Kuber was on art. It used that same style paper. Or oh, at least really? like a, a style similar to it, which was weird because that was, you know, they were still using glossy paper back then exclusively. Uh, I think it had to do with like the price and the page count. And it, I think I reviewed that issue for the site actually. And one of the things is I talked about how, like, how much more uh, flattering the, the like matte paper is for the colors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it looks just like a lot richer. So, yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm down for that. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Vince. Vince, for a little bit of uh, detective work there. No problem. So, um, speaking of detective, yeah, I was going to say uh, we have uh, we have a couple of really interesting books to talk about, and then some stuff maybe we'll just kind of gloss over here. But let's start with Detective Comics number nine eight four, the second part of the Brian Hill saga. Illustrated, by, written by Brian Hill, illustrated by Miguel Mendonca. Um, this uh, this issue. Well, Vince, what does this issue do? What does it do? Yeah, it slaps. Well, no. Besides that, what does it do? <laughs> I don't really know what you're asking me. What did we just talk about happening in the Batman story in the Walmart comic? Oh, it <laughs> revisits the origin. Yeah, that that villain that looks like uh, a brother eye guy says, uh, of all the things to remember from that night, you chose pearls. Yeah, yeah. But I, I kind of actually like that. I mean, it was just a line. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a pretty good line. Sure. Um, well, yeah, this book is good. It is good. And my big, like, it, Brian Hill's great. And and knows, I think I said this last time, but knows how to stage like an action scene and make it interesting with the artist and and is it's very much at times feels like the Michael Cray book, especially when it gets into a fight scene and the way that that he he never forgets about the character when it comes time to do a fight scene, and I think that's a skill that not all writers have, mm-hmm. but M- Miguel Mendonca's art is I feel like he's one of those artists that we've watched over the last few years now doing regular DC work who I've always kind of liked but has gotten so much better. I, I think this this comic is really great. I think it does some really interesting visual stuff in those fight scenes and with a nine-panel grid sometimes. Um, man, I think, I think he's come a long way. I hope this is the exact team for the Outsiders book. Yeah. Which are probably getting announced this weekend at San Diego. So. Probably, yeah. Um, Isn't it kind of interesting how this run, though, is kind of mirroring, at least in some way, the Tanyan run? Yeah. You can almost trade out Black Lightning for Batwoman. Yeah. Yes. And it's coming to it's almost coming to like uh the opposite conclusion. You know, it's yes, kind of exactly. the th- yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it's yeah. like a mirror, a dark mirror. A, a black mirror. A black mirror. The um, the thing that they like to do with Batman a lot is they like to say, oh, well, Batman needs his family. He can't survive without his family. And then they'll do like a storyline a couple years later that's like, we got to prove why Batman's family is holding him back, you know? And they kind of oscillate between those two ideas. It's the whole, like, uh, you know, Grant Morrison and the Batman Inc. stuff was kind of like, Batman needs to be bigger. And then after it's like with Scott Snyder, it was more like Batman's got to be a little smaller. You know, we don't, we don't need Damien running around and they just kind of, they kind of oscillate back and forth. And now Brian Hill's doing the whole, Batman's family makes him weaker thing. You know, it's it's something that will never be resolved because it's it's one of Batman's core conflicts. So here's my question about that. So the issue ends with Batman saying, tell them they make me weaker. Mm-hmm. Do you think he actually believes that? Or is that what he's no. saying to motivate them? Yeah, no, 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 no. Because, because for, I'm just saying they play with that idea because they have well, certainly. to. Certainly, no, but, but, I, but I, I'm asking if you think that in this... In this instance, this is him trying to motivate them differently. Yeah, I don't think I don't think he really believes that. Because to me, that's the big difference between this and Tynion's run, where in Tynion's run, it was all about convincing them to be a part of Batman, and this seems to be convincing them to be part of something new. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that's you know that him saying that is is his way of telling them that they need to sort of do their own thing and not just not just be Batman sidekicks. I did find it interesting that Babs is a part of this arc. I was not aware of that. Yeah. That was a pleasant surprise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so do you think... So I guess, like, do you guys think that I guess Babs, Duke, Cassandra, and Black Lightning are going to be the core of the team, and then maybe we'll get some more traditional uh, Outsiders characters thrown in as well? I don't know if Babs is going to stick as part of the team necessarily. You don't think so? I hope so. I think that would be interesting for her. But I think we're going to see... I mean, we see... I think we've seen Katana in the solicits for this. Um, and I want to say it was in, was it this week or last week? Somebody mentioned Geoforce in a book. I think it did. I think he did get mentioned in this issue. I thought it was in Justice League. I thought, I thought Maybe that's what somebody it was. said, hold like, on. how long can Geoforce hold the world together for? Something like that. <laughs> like, you know, um. But anyway, so I, I do think you're going to see more traditional um, outsiders. And DC is very reluctant to make their teams bigger than six or seven people right now, it seems. So I think if it's Black Lightning, Katana, Geoforce, and then these three, that might be it. I think that's fair. But yeah, the, this arc is really good. I'm I'm very happy we're gonna get an outsiders book from Brian Hill, it seems. Anything else to add? Nope. Alright. Let's talk about Eternity Girl number five, written by Mags Visaggio, illustrated by Sunny Lou. This book continues to be great. 
it's it's really really good um the you know the the sort of um the way the book was pitched was that it was kind of about like depression in some ways or or mental health and how that would how that would factor into somebody who's who can't die who's living forever uh, or reincarnating or whatever and that's been a thread that's been since the first issue when she was with her the Caroline the main character was seen with her therapist talking about trying to commit suicide and not being able to die but this this was the issue where I felt like everything in the book really was focused on how it how it turns inward against her and affects her mentally because throughout the entire issue you you have all these different you have that cosmic dj crash guy who's like the member of that like <clears throat> guardians team or whatever I, I don't know what to call them but they're like they like uh, oversee everything you know yeah crash and the boys crash and the boys yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> yes exactly um <laughs> and and i and then uh madam adam who's supposed to be caroline's like foe also fighting for caroline's allegiance in some way and really pulling her in all these different directions and this is the, this is the issue where you really feel that weight on her and i think visaggio does such a good job of making it seem really overwhelming for her um it it was really a, it was really affecting in that way when when in reality there wasn't much that actually like tried to tug at your heartstrings you know in in the way that you normally think but like it did feel so overwhelming to me uh, that it worked on this other level that is just this is like comic book magic is what's going on <laughs> with this book I love it yeah you're not wrong this is this is really really good stuff and. Man, just one more issue. Yeah. yeah. Talk about a heartbreaking end to the issue, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just read um, Leo Tolstoy's The Death of Ivan Ilyich for the first time this week, and mm-hmm. it, it's a horribly depressing book about death. And uh, But the end of this issue reminded me a lot of that sort of thematically, just this idea of, like, somebody preparing to die and sort of wrestling with those consequences. And she obviously wants to die, but you can see that her her desire for death is not the death she's going to get. And I found that really sad and very compelling. Yeah. Yeah. And Sunny Lou was great. Oh, yeah. Always. So great. It's not quite um, the tour de force that last month's was with all those different comic styles, mm-hmm. but it's still quite good. Yeah. Sorry, Zach, and, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say one thing. This issue has maybe one of the best uses of, like, narration caption boxes, like the actual content mm. of the caption boxes. Um, like, sometimes things like this can be really overwritten, and not have the emotional weight or, or land as well as as the the dialogue and the, you know the prose in this in this issue. Yeah, I agree. And and she does use a little bit of repetition there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
to really great effect, I think. You know, things that are said near the beginning of the issue come back again at the end and are really affecting because of that, too. You know, it's not it's not hammering a point into your head. It's just calling back on something that had been said earlier, you know? Yeah. Right, in a new in a new frame. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's good. Great book. Absolutely. Um... So by Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, number 48. Written by Robert Venditti, illustrated by Rafa Sandoval. <sighs> this arc is just a few issues too long. Yep. <laughs> Zach, why don't uh, you talk about this one first? Uh, Rafa Sandoval's still really good. Yeah. There's that one page where Hector Hammond is fucking with their brains. Yeah. Uh-huh. That was super fun. That was fun. Yeah, he tried to cheer everybody up with a beach party. Yeah, it it was like a it was a it was the Green Lantern's Hot Springs episode. If you're gonna um, talk about anime, how anime always has a they always uh-huh. have a Hot Springs or a beach episode. We we got a little mini one here. Yeah, but Hal wasn't trying to like peek at Arisia, so <laughs> <laughs> giant sweat drop. <laughs> <laughs> would that be a construct or would that be actual sweat? Oh, oh it would I be like a construct, yeah. definitely. Oh, yeah, I like that. I like that. I liked how Guy uh, liked the beach party. He was yeah. like, "I kind of like that one." Let's let's go back there. This, this was actually a pretty okay issue. I thought you're, yeah. you're you're right though, Zach. That this is. I feel like every Green Lantern. Uh, I feel like every Green Lantern arc is too long. I feel like that's a consistent um, criticism on our part. Yeah, and, and there I are think certain things that. Uh, sorry, let's finish up. No, go, I was just gonna say. I think I think there's there's validity to to those yeah. criticisms. That's all I was gonna say. What I think is like he, Ben Diddy wanted to make it to fifty. This was his last arc that he had planned. He didn't, you know. I guess he could have thrown together a little filler arc, but instead he chose to stretch this arc. out to get to 50 i feel like a solid third of each issue of this arc is somebody yelling at tomar 2 for being a dark star now (laughs) and so this issue is just kilowog's turn to do that yeah Yeah, but they didn't need that at all you know um right but i actually think the other stuff the stuff with zod and orion and arkillo and all that that stuff's fine yeah yeah and, and honestly, like, that's been one of the better parts of this arc is the kind of, um, uh, you know, farewell tour, get the gang back together, reference all the arcs. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Kyle gets into a Gundam construct. As he would. Good. Yep. <laughs> and... Uh... I the the one scene that was like oh this is dumb was Hal finally like reconciling with the you know how Venditti's been doing this story about Hal trying to decide whether killing the villain is good or not yeah and and then today he's like yeah, I guess I guess killing the bad guy is wrong he finally <laughs> decided that 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 entire thing felt very contrived to me. And it all could have been summed up with just a nice butterfly meme, you know? (laughs) Is this justice? Is this justice? Yep, exactly. 
Alright, let's talk about Hawkman for a few minutes here. Hawkman number two, written by Robert Venditti, illustrated by Brian Hitch. Um, I, I feel like um, young Mo, when he was part of the Little Rascals, how he just want, I just want to beat Venditti to death and say, you stole my bit. Because for years, I wanted to write a Hawkman comic where he would just become like unstuck in his past at times. And it's like pop up in various places, and that's exactly what happens here. And uh, you stole my bit, Venditti. But this is good. <laughs> this is a good comic. Mm-hmm. Good, good Brian Hitch art, I yes. think. This is a good fit for Brian Hitch. Yeah, this is very. I thought the, I thought the idea of him getting transported back to a previous part of his reincarnated life timeline whatever uh was genius um so sorry brian that your yeah. your idea got stolen but uh i think going back to the past to understand something about the present that allows him to you know look inside this column and find this artifact that he needs that all played out in a really satisfying way throughout the issue um it was not a gimmick to send them back to this timeline. It felt like it was really additive to, uh, to Hawkman's like present predicament. And also, um, it was a way to, I, I know the DC three loves it when comic books do like double page spreads that have like alternate, either alternate versions of characters or like alternate possible futures we'll like we flash number 50 soon enough yeah exactly yep we flip for that stuff though but as much as we like it not a whole lot ever comes of that stuff so, like sometimes the, for the future ones you usually those turn into storylines you know but like so many times you see alternate versions of characters that you just don't spend a whole lot of time with then and i i like that venditti venditti says as you as you brought up on a previous episode that he has stories for all of these different Hawkmen. Mm-hmm. And I believe him because already in Hawkman number two, we get, you know, three quarters of an issue that we spend with Khufu and Chayara, you know? And I feel like if he uses however long his run is on this character to do that every once in a while, to, to transport and spend a little time with a different Hawkman, that it'll feel like it's paying off on all these great little teases, you know? I feel like he's already doing that. That's a great point. You know, we're, we've we already talked many times about King's 100-issue Batman run, and I think we're going to touch a little bit on whether or not we think Williamson is going to make it there on Flash, mm-hmm. but what if Venditti has a 100-issue Hawkman <laughs> run in him? I actually want that. Me too. <laughs> I actually do too. Like, imagine like if we get whole arcs set on, say, like Krypton with the Kryptonian Hawkman, and or you know we get Alien Hawkman, um, and and you know issue fifty, we f- make it to issue fifty, and there's this huge plot twist where we find we finally find out what everything has been leading to, and then it completely turns the concept on its head. That, that'd be great. Yeah. Make it happen, DC. 100 issues. And I mean, like, 
I know this current Green Lantern book is only making it to 50, but if you factor in all of the stuff that he has done since John's left on Green Lantern, I mean, maybe that stuff wasn't always the best Green Lantern, but it was close to 100 issues worth of stuff. It's like 80-something issues, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Because he did and then from you, 21 yeah. to 52. Yeah, and I think he even co-wrote GLC for a while. He did, him and Van Jensen. Yeah. Who I always want to call Van Jones, who is a very different person. <laughs> I always want to call him Jan Durgens, <laughs> for some reason. Nice. Yeah. Well, that brings Jan us to, uh, what was that? I said Jan Vinson. Uh, <laughs> uh, that brings us to Michael Cray, number nine. Number nine? Number, number nine. nine. Uh, written by Brian Hill, illustrated by N. Stephen Harris. Uh, this issue, we get more of the Constantine Diana stuff. Vince, I feel like you're you're the one who's been highest on this book thus far. Although I, I've enjoyed it quite a bit, and I know Zach has come around to appreciate it. Also, what do you think of this Constantine arc, and uh, how is it working for you? Um. It feels like it's been it's a little bit longer than the the previous arcs like with the Flash and the the Aquaman arc and I think I'm starting to feel that length a little bit like um I kind of liked when this book was just moving on to the to the next thing uh after two issues and but I like it a lot um I still like the comic I think it's a really interesting take on Diana and and Constantine, and I guess maybe that warrants a little bit longer of an arc because I feel like they're more developed characters than say the the Aquaman guy that we saw or like the version of of Oliver that we saw in the first arc. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think it's thrown the pacing off a little. But I, I don't have too many complaints. I don't. I, I I still think it's a really good book. Zach, what say you? Um. Yeah, I'm with Vince. I mean, I definitely like the book better now than I did when it was the, um, you know, kind of the one-off Justice League stories. Like I like the central conflict with. Um, you know, Michael and this um, kind of like symbiote type thing that he has. Um, but it, it, it's it's dragging a little bit. I do like I do like that they're teasing. So what what we know about the Wildstorm right now, they're establishing um, the alien. What's what's the alien race? I can never remember the the demons or demons. Well, they, they're right, calling but... him. Uh, they're calling him something else over in the Wildstorm. Um, I can't. Um, I can't remember what that planet is called. But anyway. Oh, uh, well, they're the the Dax. No. Um, I'll figure it out later. But well, anyway. they're like the the the. Okay, so I'm on Wikipedia. The two major factions in Wildstorm were the Carabim and the Daemonites. That, that's it. The, they're the they're the the one that starts with a K. 
but I thought they were the good guys. They were like angel people. Like that was. Um... I'm talking about the what? That's what they. Um, uh, what's his name? John Lynch. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. Remember, remember when he shows up and he's like, "Yeah, this." The the guy that he meets in that farmhouse, who has yeah. like, the the care the whatever inside him. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I'm talking about. But anyway, what, the point that I'm getting to is that. They've, they're establishing that, and they're establishing these two like technological um, companies, basically, that operate, and they're kind of at war with one another. And now, with Michael Cray, they're suggesting something with Diana that's a little more mythical in nature. And I don't know that we're necessarily ever going to see that, you know? But, like, the, the central conflict here is that Diana's going to... Uh, call upon this like the the gods essentially right, and and we don't really it's almost like the um, it's almost like the the ultimate Marvel thing where we don't really know if she's full of shit or not you know, um, but it feels like it feels like something entirely tangential to the Wildstorm, but it's this new element that could potentially be that could potentially exist within this world. It's really interesting that they, that they brought that up, and I don't know that we'll ever see it, but yeah, um, I just think it's interesting the way that they pull in these different these different factions, and they seem to be constantly adding to this world. And by including some of these traditional DC characters, it gives them a little bit more options there. But they're not including them in the tradition. Like that's where the New Fifty Two went wrong. I thought you can't set up. Um, facsimiles of these same characters alongside one another and have them really work. But if the Justice League characters are like only vaguely resemble their their like mainline DC versions, then you have all these different options that you can pull from and they don't feel so similar to the characters that are supposed to be based on them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does any of that make any sense? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I think you're both right in a way about the pacing of the book. I think that the first um you know, six or seven issues, whatever it was, felt very much like part of a 12-issue miniseries, or maxi-series, rather. And this feels like an arc ripped out of an ongoing. The problem is that the book's ending in a few issues. So I think that the pacing does feel off for that reason. Um, but I think that N. Stephen Harris continues to do really underrated work in this book. I think particularly, um, there's just a couple of scenes set in London. The London skyline looks gorgeous here and i love how he's drawing michael cray's shirt getting more and more chewed up in every scene like mm. he's he's pretty much soon just gonna have like a, just, just a collar of the uh of the <laughs> um turtleneck he's wearing but just really nice little details i'm uh i'm enjoying this book way more than i thought i would enjoy a michael cray book anything else to add Nope. What do you think the odds are we get a Wildstorm-related announcement at San Diego? Ooh. Well, the rumor is we're getting the, the Milestone announcement. That's true. Didn't... So, wasn't there some news about that recently? About the Kyle Baker Static Shock book? Well, somebody... I think it was Kyle Baker or somebody else had said that it's supposed to start in October. Yeah. Which would mean that it's going to be announced this weekend. Right, right. With two other books that he mentioned, I think, as well. 
I don't remember what those were off the top of my head, though. Yeah, I don't know. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if... Because uh, we're getting to the point where this book's going to be running out soon. This is supposed to be, was it four books? Mm-hmm. And we've only still seen two of them, and one of them's about to end. So, yeah, maybe we'll get a book announcement this week. We'll see. Let's hope so. Um, let's talk about Plastic Man number two, written by Gail Simone, illustrated by Adriana Mello. Uh, they say bullshit now. <laughs> I didn't even catch that. I'm so, I'm so desensitized. I used yeah. to be a good boy who was bothered by cursing. <laughs> um, we're, we're like the profane, even though like we're all profane on this show, I think we're the profanity watchdogs. For yeah, we really are. <laughs> We always talk about it when we it, do. I mean, it is it is interesting. It's like I don't think we're. It's especially interesting because of how many DC comics we read, and uh-huh. so we notice the lack of it, and then you know, and then yeah. when it's there, it's noteworthy. Yep. This is uh, surprisingly charming. I feel like. Yeah, it's really good. I really loved that, like um, Where's Waldo page. Yes. Had Dan Dio in it. With Dan Dio, baby. Look at me. I'm in a comic. Look at me. I'm making deals on this phone. I'm a deals maker. I'm the king of the deal. I'm also uh, sort of Brian Bendis in this picture. <laughs> I have way bigger muscles than I have in real life. Um. Yeah, that was a fun page. This book is just so wang, you guys. Yeah, it is so. very wang. I will say, I, I wish there wasn't so much backstory about the Wang stuff. But that was a little bit overdone, but that's a minor complaint. I'm really enjoying this book. Yeah. I think, um... I think Gail Simone does a remarkable job doing the whole, like, uh, Plastic Man started out as a villain, or started out as a bad guy, and then became... Not, not like a comic book villain, but like a bad guy. Like a, a gangster, thief. Fuck, yeah. Gangster. Um... She she do, handles that conflict really well. That that's by no means a new idea in comics. It in fact it's one that's used all the time to try to make villains sympathetic. But I feel like this is such a strong version of that. You know, it's yeah. it's really it's really got a lot of weight to it, and you believe it. Um, and you know, anti heroes are generally not my thing, but I think that like. Or Plastic Man's not even really an anti-hero, but like his origin, you know. Yeah. That's that's not really my favorite thing, but with Plastic Man and it, written by Gail Simone, I think it works so well um, that it it makes other versions of this story lesser, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and I love the transformations near the end that he becomes a dragon, he becomes Iron Man at one point, <laughs> Optimus Prime. What else? Um, I think it's just those. It, it was those three, right? It was like Optimus yeah. Prime, Iron Man, and um, I don't remember what the first one was off the top of my head. Now I'm trying to. I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm going the wrong way. This is riveting. We're so good at this. <laughs> oh, it was a dragon. It was yeah. a dragon. Yeah, it was a dragon. Right. Yeah, that's right. Okay. 
But yeah, this is super fun. Man Pat's really making the rounds these days. <laughs> He's so hot right now. <laughs> uh, that's hot. Thanks, Paris Holton. <laughs> She's back now. Did you see that? I did see that. She's good again. So let's talk about Red Hood and the Outlaws, number 24. Written by oh, Scott. boy. Written by Scott Lovedale, illustrated by Dexter Soy. Uh, why, oh, boy, there, pal. Uh, this was a doozy. <laughs> you know, in the, in, the, in the age of the spoiler, I'm... I can really appreciate that an issue like this slips through and doesn't get spoiled ahead of time. Or if it did, I completely missed it. Well, it's because I mean, it's, it's flowing. It's flying so under the radar. Yeah. At this point, I mean, they also say that the penguin's only in critical condition, like in the issue. Like the, the TV oh. says, like he's in the hospital in critical condition. Oh, I didn't even catch that. Oh, yeah, I didn't catch that either. I thought for sure that he was. I thought we were never going to see him again. Yeah. It, no. Well. <laughs> Dead, no, but... gone, forgotten. No, I mean but... they, they Gotham is ending, so they don't need to use the penguin anymore. Um, <laughs> no one will be confused <laughs> by the fact that he's dead in the comics, and it's fine. No, there, there's, oh, a, there's a scene where Bruce is watching TV, and uh-huh. it says uh, critical condition as part of it. So that makes okay. no sense. Yeah. He he, sh- he shot, he shot him through the eye. He point blank range. Yeah. yeah. See, I must have just somehow—I must have somehow missed that. I guess I just took it as like—I don't know. It's right under what I call the emerald panel. It is. I see. I see that now. Bam. Yeah. <laughs> the emerald panel. Great. Very good. Thank you. Um, yeah. Uh, no, but it just—it just makes. Well, now that you point that out, it makes everything a whole lot less weighty. Yeah. I was actually—I was going to co- compare and contrast this to the the Teen Titans issue where, where Damien supposedly kills Black Mask. Uh-huh. And and talk about why this is such a better version of that, and why it's more appropriate to do that in a book like this with a character like Jason Todd, than to do it with Damien again. Yeah. But now I feel kind of like that's not gonna. Yeah, I mean, look at the screen that Batman's like running away from. He's got his gun right up to. No, you don't live through that. So I don't know. Like, I'm sure Penguin wasn't going to be gone forever, but I thought it was going to be one of those, like, he he was de facto killed for what, however long they need him to be, you know? Was it going to be his, his stupid sexy son as the new Penguin? Or something like that, yeah, yep, yep. But but now this now this is a whole lot less weighty to me. Um, I actually kind of like this issue for for how it handled all that, but... Um, it doesn't. I I feel like this is trying to have its cake and eat it too. Where like yeah, it it lets Jason do the thing he's not supposed to do, but it doesn't take the penguin off the table either. Yeah, see, I don't like it as much then. Not that I like. I mean, you know me. I don't like like running around killing heroes and villains off. But I feel like if you're gonna do it, if you're gonna do it, and you're gonna have Batman and the Bat Family all pissed about it. Go all the way, then you know, you can and erase it later the way that you always do in comics, you know. But or maybe don't make it the Penguin then. Sure, it doesn't matter. That's 
that's the part that I understand that he wants to kill him because of his father. But if the point is to show Jason going over the line, it doesn't matter who he goes over the line for. Mm-hmm. Zach, what do you think of this? I still like this a lot. Um, man, poor Bizarro, right? Yeah. Poor Pun Pun. Pup Pup. Pup Pup. <laughs> I always do that. The fact that you're calling him Pun Pun just shows you not ready. <laughs> pup, and we always pup, pup. Pup, pup, I had am pup good friend. Yeah. <laughs> um, man, like Lobdell. I'm just continually, I'm just continually amazed. I. Uh, what you're saying is how weird Green is it that Lobdell? Right. What'd you say? I said what you're saying is give Green Lantern to Scott Lobdell. No, I'm not. <laughs> saying that. Um, but. Uh, Man, this is just... It's good. Red Hood and the Outlaws could be in my top five favorite Rebirth books. Woo! Wow. Things we have to do this summer. Do our new top tens. We do need to. Watch the Watchmen movie. Get Zach committed. All right, in that order. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. This is is a good I'm just so twisted. Yeah. You probably cast like it, me then. as the as the dang Joker in the next Joker movie. In the, you're the third Joker. It's me, Jared Leto, and Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. I heard though that there's secretly a fourth Joker. You know that's the twist, right? I'm spreading that rumor on Twitter. Yes, you are. <laughs> I, I, what didn't I, I? I'm pretty sure it was you who tweeted that imaginary. Um, meeting between Johns and Didio where Johns yeah. just like holds up the fourth finger oh, and yeah. Didio's head explodes. <laughs> yeah, his cigar falls out of his mouth. <laughs> you don't mean. That's right. Fourth Joker. <laughs> yeah, that's going to happen. It's it gonna is. Happen I'm in a book called Three Jokers. <laughs> and it's going to be really annoying. <laughs> I, want, I want the lead up to Blackest Night, but just with Jokers. Like. <laughs> Like what? There are Red Lanterns. There's a fifth Joker. What? Just wait until uh, Joshua Williamson reveals that one of the forces that hasn't been talked about yet is the Joker, Joker Force. <laughs> Can we give it a slightly better name, like the Yuck Yuck Force or the, uh, so the, jo- the, the Joker Force? And uh, also, there's the Joker Spectrum. Oh, okay. And there's a ring. <laughs> there's a Joker ring. Oh man, I have to make a note so I don't forget. Are you going to write a Joker Lantern Oath? Is that what you're doing? Yes. Right, Joker. No, no. I have. I just thought of something that I want to talk about when we get to Flash, so I'm making a note. Okay. I, don't, I never take notes. I just took a note. Wow. <laughs> let's, um, let's get to Flash sooner. So let's talk about Sideways, number six, written by Dan DiDio, illustrated by Carmine <laughs> DG Domenico. Things really went sideways in this issue, am I right? <laughs> Uh, well, we got a nut face right on the cover, so uh, there's that. <sighs> yeah, this this lost a lot of the charm when when Justin Jordan left it. Yeah, I mean at least Morrison in the annual. Yeah, yeah, and 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 Carmine doing great work here yes yeah 
Can can I say the thing about this issue that I kind of liked? Sure. Yeah. I uh, I actually really found you said the charm was missing. I thought there was one segment that was really charming. Can I guess which segment it was? Yes. Was it with the that guy that lost his arm? The fucking arm. <laughs> Every time Zach says it, I lose my mind. <laughs> yes, the, the fucking yeah. <laughs> Yes, I like that a lot. When he tri- like, like here, here's a character that is so often, you know, this type of character that's used as this like aloof celestial body that holds the universe together or whatever. And, like, actually finding a friend in Sideways was very well done, I thought. Um, so I liked that a lot. Um, the stuff with Derek and his mom and not calling her, not talking to her, having a fight, and then uh, the dad being a useless sack of shit, and then Derek's mom gets killed in the end. It's very, again, it's very Amazing Spider-Man, right? right? Yeah. Um. But I just didn't think that part was that whole thing was too over the top for me. But I suppose it has to be because then it really makes it a tragedy, I guess. I don't know. That didn't work as well for me. Agreed. Yeah. Do we want to bother talking about Suicide Squad? I cracked it open it looked like deadshot was a lizard now so <laughs> only for like two pages though yeah oh um i do want to i want to say one thing about suicide squad and i'm not i'm really trying not to be like mean to this book or like overly harsh but just across the board the the three of us know that Rob Williams is better than this book. Yes. We like Rob Williams as a writer. We want him to write a book that we like. But just looking at the first page here where uh, Deadshot says, question, this is like narration. Question, what does a superhero do? Et cetera, et cetera. They save people. Well, I'm the opposite of that. I hurt people. Like, come on. Williams is a better writer than that, and it's obvious, right? We should be expecting, like, this this entire book for 44 issues has been this kind of shit. And I know that he's got more juice than that. (laughs) And I hope whatever comes next is more Martian Manhunter than this, because... I believe he said he's off the book as a 50. Yeah. Because we're going to get at Azarella, right? Yep. Oh, boy. Well, let's get to something uh, that I want to talk a lot about, and that's Superman number one, written by Brian Michael Bendis, illustrated by Ivan Reyes. Guys, I am all in on Bendis Superman. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, this, I, I feel like, I mean, as good as. Uh, Man of Steel was this one issue alone was better than all of Man of Steel. I think. 
that shit with him leaving the conversation with Martian Manhunter to save people <laughs> was uh-huh. so my jam. Oh my goodness. I love that so much. It was a perfect the, Superman moment. Yeah. The bit with the Dominator invasion at the beginning, uh-huh. like, mm-hmm. that was really cool. Um, even that very first page with the with the blocky uh, narration that kind of introduced it's not narration it's introducing it's, like the it's, it's a recap yeah it's a recap yeah 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 but it's like within the art it's that it was it felt like so old school but like in the best way I thought yeah um is is Lois wearing a Wonder Twin shirt <laughs> uh, let me see what page is this on the like um right after the oh, that that, that is a with their, like i believe that is a jana shirt yeah yeah <laughs> um yeah this is this is really good i feel like the bermuda triangle being the location of the new fortress of solitude is an idea that's so dumb it could only be in comics but it's also <laughs> great so good. Oh, uh, yeah, man. Bendis just has such a great grasp on a lot of these characters' voices too. I mean, his Clark is great. His Martian Manhunter, I thought, was really good. Yes. Um, you know, I don't feel like it's necessarily the typical take on Martian Manhunter, but he's only he's kind of servicing more like a plot device here. But I thought the the dialogue worked really, really well. Um, and then even just like the conversations between the league members were, I thought were really good. Vince, what say you? Yeah, all, all of that. And I think, uh, Martian Manhunter having this sort of like almost devil on Superman shoulder role, not devil, but you know, well, I don't know. It's tough to, it's tough to gauge what his intentions are, especially when you compare, his role in this to what we see in Titans later with Miss Martian, which we'll get to. Yeah. But I think DC is positioning the Martians in a really interesting way. If, if these books are really connected in that way, you know, Yeah. I think, it, I think it's going to be interesting if they start to pit the Martians against the superheroes of the human race or I mean, I know he's Kryptonian, but like essentially has become uh, a citizen of the world. Um, if they're going to pit like this uh, Martian um, pragmatism versus what, what we actually get from the heroes on a regular basis, that that's going to be a really interesting uh, play there that I, I could totally go for. So... Yeah, that that was a really cool bit. To tell you how on board with this I am, <coughs> I didn't even groan at the next Rogel Czar returns <laughs> text box at the end of the issue. Yeah, I, I didn't even groan at the uh, Luther Trump tie uh, joke that was in there. Uh, this is good stuff, guys. Yeah. I kind of can't believe it. <laughs> but here we are. Oh, it's good. Yep. Okay, I, I guys, I, I made up a Joker core uh, oath. 
Oh my no, god. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> mind if I read this? Do you want to put it in the group chat and we'll all read it together? <laughs> because we are the three jokers? Oh Christ. Okay. Um all right, hold on. Do you do you want to uh talk amongst yourselves while I do this? Uh sure. We'll start it's talking about the flash. How about this? We'll start with, we'll, we'll talk about the flash while you type it after the flash. Or you know, we'll even we'll end the episode with it tonight. Sure. Let's, oh, okay. Let's do that. You want to end the okay. Yeah, we'll do this that. is going to be should really I, weird and chanty and cultish. So <laughs> Exactly. Should I send it to you ahead of time? No. So that... No, type it okay. in there and then just send it. We have to read All right. it. We have to read it pretty cold. All right. So, uh, the Flash number 50 written by Joshua Williamson, illustrated by Howard Porter. Um Guys, this issue has everything. This all uh, the things. Hypertime, um, Bart Allen, possibly Superboy Prime. That everything. thing of when? Wait, where was Superboy Prime? End of the possibly. issue, bro. How did you I miss that? You think that? Oh, was that's who you think that's. Oh, that's who you think that was. That's what people were talking about. Yeah. Oh, that's what CBR. Kieran Chiak had a... I didn't read that. That's not who I took it as. Who do you think it is? I mean, my take was much less interesting. I just thought it was the Anti-Monitor. <laughs> and that's still pretty fun. Yeah, it is fun. We've just seen him more recently, and I've been, you know, wanting Superboy Prime literally since... I don't know, when the last time I saw Superboy Prime, so... <laughs> <laughs> Um, guys, this issue was really good. Yeah. Uh, it was really good. And, okay, I want to talk about... So we chatted a little bit, um, you know, in text about this issue, and we were comparing the misdirection with Wally's family in this issue to the misdirection of the Bat Wedding. Mm-hmm. And how this very much could easily track as, like, Williamson's halfway mark. Mm-hmm. And whether or not we think Williamson has 100 issues of Flash in him. Mm-hmm. And I hope that he does. <laughs> yes, I agree. Yeah, to me, this is just this is just like Batman 50 with less fan... Somehow this got less fanfare than the wedding between, uh, between Bruce and Selina, but I guess... I guess I get that, but um, but to me it feels just like that, you know. Like he, Wally is so close to this goal, this thing that he's wanted this whole time, and he gets it ripped away from him, and uh, and then he kind of runs off on his own in this very like season-ending cliffhanger style. And I love the thought that, just like with Tom King's Batman, if another fifty issues go by. And Joshua Williamson is writing them, and then he gets to, in the end, reunite Wally's family again. Just what a what a great! I love that. That is great to do for like anniversary style issues. Mm-hmm. And now I'm getting my hopes up because it takes it takes a lot. I feel to get a creator to 100 issues on a book, you know? Oh yeah. And um, uh, double shipping makes it a little bit easier. Yeah, it, it does, but it takes less time. It's less of a time commitment. Yeah, in yeah. terms of years of your life devoted to something. 
And even with uh, double shipping, how many how many creators make it to fifty issues? You know what I mean? Right. Like, well, yeah. But, but here's here's what I think is so brilliant about the way Williamson's been building this. So we are fifty issues in. We have a lot with Barry and Wally and Wallace. In issue, I think it was six, they teased Jay Garrick, and because of Doomsday Clock being so delayed, they pushed that back, and we never got Jay Garrick. The book doesn't suffer for it. This issue teases Max Mercury again a little bit in one of the visions in the hypertime, and it's we've been teasing with Wally's family and all this, but it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like Williamson has used any of the big bullets yet. Mm-mm. It's I mean it's, it's yeah. all still building. It's incredible. I mean we so if you think about it, Rebirth launched, and I want to say like this book is still the heart of Rebirth. I think more so than Tom King's Batman could ever be. Um, And I think, you know, right now I just want to really quick, we've got King on Batman, Williamson on flash, Venditti on green lantern, but that's ending. Um, Williams on suicide squad, but that's ending supposedly. Yeah. Might not make it to 50. Um, Those are the only ones who have made it all the way. Right. Since rebirth started. Uh, Lobdell. Yeah, but he's, that's not, that's not double I'm talking about like getting to 50, like yeah. books that are probably going to make it to 50. I don't know what Red Hood has been single shipping for a while now. The whole time. Has it been? Yeah, you're right. Okay. Um, but anyway, like Rebirth started with Wally coming back and now we're at the half, you know, theoretical halfway point of Flash and Bart comes back and it's almost kind of like we have this whole new fresh playground to start from again. Uh, and you think about all of the plot threads that he has dangling from other arcs, you know, Godspeed is somewhere out there. We have this mysterious crisis related character. Um, Hypertime is a thing again, uh, although they may not be able to access it anymore. I don't know. Um, but it is out there. I mean, it's been a thing, but now it's a huge thing. We've got this, future captain cold in the in the present now um it it really does feel like a season finale Mm -hmm. it reminds me of when it's very jeff johnsian and in when he would sometimes when he would wind down green lantern stories he would tease a bunch of stuff for the next set of green lantern stories you know Mm -hmm. and it feels very much like that to me yeah Yeah, absolutely. And Howard Porter. Oh, forget about it. He's so good. He should do all Flash events. Forever. <laughs> forever. Yeah. Isn't it crazy how involved he has been? It's kind of weird how DC, even though like they put new writers on characters, they keep coming back to certain artists on characters. Um, you know, Van Skyver always comes back to Green Lantern. Howard Porter and Scott Collins both worked with Johns on Flash and, and have been, you know, reused throughout the years. Um, but they all still, I mean, you know, not kind of Van Skyver. Um, they all <laughs> still, like, bring interesting and unique things to the characters. Yeah. It doesn't feel... Um, tired. Yeah, I'm never bummed out to see Porter on a flashbook. 
no, they finally got him out of the JLA 3000 ghetto. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. Um, is there uh, is there anything to really say about Bart's return, or we just have to wait and see? I think yeah, just wait and see. I think. I want to see how they try and retcon this with the new the new fifty two Bart Allen. Yeah, I also yeah I wanted his name, but not Bart Allen. Wasn't that a pseudonym? Yeah, I think so. He had like a weird future name. Yeah, Boruto Allen or something (laughs) like that. (laughs) I love it then. (laughs) Oh, um, manga club. I I wonder what Bart this is because. So this is Impulse. He looks significantly younger than Bart at the end of Flashpoint when he got lost in the Speed Force. Right. I wonder if this is like a hypertime Bart. The Bart. The. <laughs> Situation for you, Vince. Hi there. <laughs> we'll see if he asks... Uh, uh, Professor... Z- pr- prof- yeah, Godspeed to sing the entire score of the HMS Pinafore. Um, oh, the one other thing I made a note about. I don't want to forget. So we have all these new forces now. The the Strength Force, the Sage Force, and the, yep, the Joker Force. force I'm aware. Joker yep. Force. The Schwartz. We we. It'd be really cool, um, and a very Johnsian, Morrisonian thing to do to do a new God's Ark where they tie in Orion's Astro Force. Ooh. Man, or maybe we should, we should be running it, things. Retcon it to maybe tie into one of these other things. Like maybe it's tied into the strength force. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot. I just thought it'd be fun. That will be fun. Williamson hasn't really gotten to play with the new gods very much and then, you know, get Black Racer in there. Yeah. That would be fun. Um, did anyone crack open the Immortal Men? I did. I tried to give it one last honest shot, and I can't. I can't penetrate it, my dudes. I just can't get into it. All right, so I, I want to share with you guys the worst part of the worst part of any comic this week. <laughs> okay, so there's a scene where I already forgot the character's name. The main character, like the kid in this book, where he is, he is in some sort of battle. I'm trying to do this as fast as I can, and uh, he essentially um, he is like opening his mind to absorb the powers of others, and he says, "Huh, I know kung fu." Yes, and, and you're like, "Oh, great, that's called the Matrix." Yeah, and then the next panel says, "Keanu, eat your freaking heart out." And it's like, oh, fuck you. <laughs> that joke was, was corny but okay in the last page. Then you had to go yeah. and do this? Come on. Well, and then the other page when he said, you know, star of stage and screen and uh, Bill and Ted's excellent adventure and also those memes where he sits on the park bench and looks sad while he eats a sandwich is who I am talking about. It was a little bit overkill then. <laughs> I really didn't think they needed that part. Yeah. And you know this was on top of the John Wick reference in Sideways, so yeah, that's right. Yeah, the fucking not. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Um, yeah, this is. Are we sure this is the same uh, James Tynion that wrote the incredible Detective Comics run? Because I am impre- I am impressed that again DC is letting somebody write this book with like completely unidentifiable characters. But I can't really dig into any of them. I get no, because they have completely unidentifiable motivations as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the, the timber, the timber character—that's that's deep in my heart because of the Wisconsin, uh, you know, the because Wisconsin of the, the, the um, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Because of the what? The Kesha, the Kesha song. song. Yeah, the Kesha song. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Way to sorry, Kesha and Pitbull. <laughs> Mr. Worldwide. Yep. Memorial Day hero. <laughs> <laughs> the best Memorial Day tweet that will ever be tweeted. No one will ever be able to top it. <laughs> what else you share with our listeners what that tweet was, Vince? It's just something like uh, thanks, thanks to all uh, veterans at home and abroad or something like that for all they do to protect America or whatever. And then it's a big smiling pit bull face in front of an American flag, like 50% dissolved in front of an American flag. <laughs> Just with the cheesiest fucking pit bull smile. It's, it's incredible. Go to Pitbull's timeline, look up the Memorial day tweet. You won't be disappointed. It's one of the best things ever. <laughs> you can't even, even if you're like one of those super like, uh, Oh, this is sacred. This should, you know, you can't even be mad at him because it's it's so pure. Well, let's move on from the Immortal Men over to Titans, number twenty-three, written by Dan Abnett, illustrated by uh, Brendan Peterson, and um, this issue, I I enjoyed this issue. It did some stuff I didn't expect it to do, which I always appreciate from a comic. Um, I really am intrigued by the Miss Martian connection to this team. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't really know what to say about this book. I liked it quite a bit, but I don't know. I just, I, uh, it's, uh, a pretty big departure from where the book was. This is a book that needed a new title and a new number one. Yeah. I think I like it better than the last run, at least conceptually. Mm-hmm. I like the team better. I like the art, even though I think I read that Peterson is off starting next issue. Someone else is on. I believe you're right. Yes. I don't remember who, um, but I don't know. This is, I, I feel like this is a book that I have a hard time getting excited about. I, I don't agree with that. Just personally, this is my jam um, in just about every way. I, what I like about it is that, I, first of all, I like that the, that the team has a, a reason for existing that isn't just like, because we're all friends, which was the last team's reason for existing. Even though I love those characters, I feel like it's nice for the team to have a mandate, have something to do. And um, I like this grouping of characters quite a bit. Vince, 
Vincey the tiebreaker here. What's up? Um, interesting because I think I, I think I feel differently about this book than from both of you, for completely different reasons. And I liked this issue, but I'm going to say up front that is this the, Brandon Peterson did some issues of Green Lantern recently, right? Yeah. Either Hal or, Jordan or, or I think it was Hal Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. And I liked his art, and I gener- like that is a name that I g- generally associate with I, positive feelings. Yeah. And I like I know I liked his Hal Jordan stuff. This feels like kind of di- like I don't know what's going on here, but I did not like this, and it was because. In some parts, it's really stiff. Like I'm thinking about there's there's certain images of Dick, like in mid fight, where he looks really stiff, stiff and then Dick. just yep, stiff Dick. And then just in general, um, there's a lot of like weird angles on these characters. For some reason, like there's a lot of panels where it's their heads, they're just like headshots and they're talking, and. Um, they're just from like weird angles or like it just looks off. Can you give to us me. an example? Yeah, like um on page uh on page nine of our PDF, there's like Beast Boy who's like looking kind of up and to the his left or so, or to his right, I guess. And then his nose is like pointed up in this weird <laughs> direction, and then kind of like Simon Pegg. Yeah, kind of. And then in the panel below, he's just like pointing, and it's a really weird perspective. And then in the on the next page, there's a couple of headshots of Raven, and they're from different angles. And from the one angle, it just looks really weird. Like to me, it just looked across the board. There were lots of weird angles being taken in these panels, and they didn't add. They just looked weird to me. They didn't add to like the dynamism of the art, you know. Um, and I'm I'm saying that about this issue in isolation because I know I've enjoyed Brandon Peterson's work before. It's just something about this stuck out as weird to me and then like the on page 17 dick is like leaping through the air and he's got his uh excrema sticks or whatever they're called and he just it just looks really stiff and i don't know i don't know the art was not doing it for me in this issue but i'm very intrigued by the story and i'm super intrigued by the miss martian stuff and i think i'm fascinated at john jones role in everything now and how that's potentially going to play spoilers as far as like justice league unity is concerned because he's the leader of the justice league essentially and uh and the fact that they're laying these they're planting these seeds in different books for that to maybe someday come up in the future and cause a problem is fascinating to me um and the two books that we're talking about that happening in are not Justice League, which is the Snyder book, where he's not really done anything that severe yet. Right. Which I think is interesting. I'm and and it's that kind of unity that makes the DCU feel um you know, tight knit and I love when that kind of stuff happens. So if 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 if, if that through line is gonna be happening in this book a little bit, I'm I'm in. That's my jam. Yeah. 
It'll be interesting to see what a new artist does on this book next month. Looks like it's um, Brent Peebles, Peoples, and Matt Santarelli. Oh, nice. All right. Well, let's wrap things up with Wonder Woman number 50. The finale of James Robinson's run on the character. Written by James Robinson, illustrated by Steven Segovia and Emmanuel Lubacchino. Um, so, you want to hear my theory about this issue? Uh, yeah. My theory about this issue is that Robinson did not realize the last issue of his run was going to be oversized, and so he wrote a story, and then they told him, oh no, it's got to be like eight more pages, and so he just made this framing device around it, which makes no sense whatsoever, of Diana of stopping Steve from getting a helicopter until she can tell him a story he was there for. Mm-hmm. And so all that is just added in later and was not planned at all. <laughs> I, I Check, think you're checks out. <laughs> I think you're right, but very clever of Robinson to uh, use a technique to, to as fill in that he's been using in the regular issues anyway of yeah. characters telling one another things that they've been around for. So uh, good on him for being consistent in that way. You had you had sent us that one uh, line <sighs> of dialogue that uh-huh. says. Uh, I'm just going to read it verbatim here. I am surprised you transferred back to the Navy and the rank you hold there as Master Chief. (laughs) Very normal thing to say to... uh, I'm sorry, Diana. Sorry about what? About this. Me going away for a bit after everything that happened to you. Like, why do all of James Robinson's characters in this run tell one another... They're, they're always telling one another things about things that have happened to them. They always talk like this. Oh. You know, after everything that happened to you, like, yeah, this shit just happened. Like, can, I, can I add in my line reading for, so, so we have the trifecta? Huh? Now I summon the power of our dear dead half-brother Hercules. Remember when you punched me far away that time? Back in Greece when you fought me in Grail? Do you recall? That's the worst one. That's the worst. <laughs> That's found it. Remember found when it. you punched me far away that time. Far away that time. Did did was it that they that they punched them and they were far away from where they are now, or they punched them and she flew far or he flew far away or whatever? Or I don't know. Who are they even so hard he wound up far away from her? Yeah, but you see what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> or did he? Did he develop a speech impediment and he meant to say like far away from that time and he was referring to a different point in time? So many different interpretations. Or is he referring to the stained song so far away? That's it. That's the one. Popular radio hit in the mid thousands. I don't remember that song at all, Canada have been that popular. (laughs) Oh (laughs) Okay. I'm not gonna sing it. I was trying to get you to us. If you if you if you watch Smallville, you did hear it because it was definitely in an episode of Smallville. I mean, it's it's. I think it was season. I think I could tell you it was probably season. I think it was in season two. Um, here I'm gonna I'm gonna check. Was it the more Amy Adams ate everybody? No, it wasn't that one. I don't think it was. Um. Ah, season three, episode nine, Asylum. 
I mean, I haven't, I haven't watched that show in a while. At it's the end, when Clark and Lana make eye contact at her welcome home party. <laughs> Air date, January 14th, 2004. I was already done watching it at that point. No, you weren't. Yes, I was. <laughs> You're so sure of what I was doing a decade before I met you. <laughs> you haven't watched all of Smallville? I watched the first two seasons and then season 10. What? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Brian. Well, it's too late now. You can't go back because you can only watch that show as a, like, 15-year-old. I was, like, 20. I was watching that show. So. Okay. <laughs> I'm definitely... I'm I'm <laughs> skewing my own. I, that's, a sh- I, I, that's a show that I have tried to go back and watch and just can't do it. I um I thought about doing that for the summer TV binge this year, but I watched the pilot and I was like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> you, hate, you would hate yourself. Yeah, I'm already hating myself enough with Avengers of Superman. So, yeah. So Wonder Woman, huh? Ah, uh, yeah. Can yep. you believe that Robinson's run was almost as long as Rucka's? Ah, oh, nah. <laughs> <laughs> So Jason went back to his home planet. He did. He died on the way, yep. Don't worry. She will see him again. She knows it in her heart. You know, a great thing about Steve Orlando's run is that everybody should be asking, where's Jason? (laughs) Yeah. Whatever is not on screen. Yep. Oh, man. Does this... I I, I know he's doing a fill-in arc on Detective in the fall. Ah. But is this the end of Robinson's DC work that we know of, aside from that? Um, yeah. Until he, he gets to write those uh, uh, Japan stories for, for Starman. Starman someday that you want so much. A boy can dream. It's going to be just... Um, <laughs> it's going to be... Uh, the characters sitting around in Japan drinking beer from tiny thimbles and saying things like, remember when back in Star... And he's just, it's just going to... Everything <laughs> is going to be, remember that thing I did back in the original Starman? Do you remember? Do you remember? That was cool, right? No, I don't remember. And they're just going to be sitting around having dialogue like that. And, it, and, it, and it'll be redrawn stories from Starman as flashbacks, but the art will be by Brett Booth. <laughs> yeah, 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 there you go. For some reason, Nailed Jack it. Knight's always eating pizza. <laughs> they're, they're at what's clearly a sushi bar in Japan, and yet they're they're noshing on big rubbery slices of pizza. Well, you know what kind of roll they get there, right? Oh, pizza, pizza roll? Well, pizza fish roll. Because pizza, pizza fish, fish is the name of that stupid uh, place. Damn, you just legitimized this whole thing. Yeah. Yep. All right. Robinson, get on it. All right. Well, before we get to our Joker core, uh, <laughs> uh, oh. let's say goodbye. Thank you guys for listening. We appreciate it as always. We really do have to watch Watchmen. We really do have to do a top ten. We're getting there, we promise. And... Uh, <laughs> Until... If you stop mentioning it, it'll go away. No, I want. I, I legitimately want to watch Watchmen with you guys. Um, 
because I think it's going to be uh, our best episode ever. <laughs> None of us are uh, funny, though, so... Well, this Joker Corp uh, oath is pretty funny. <laughs> well, let's let's do our favorite segment before then looking ahead to next time. So we got Batman 51. We have um, the finale of Future Quest Presents. I knew you guys both broke up about that. We have Justice League number four, Wildstorm number 15, and uh, New Challengers. Yeah. So, until then, you can find us on Twitter. I am at Brian is an app. I'm at LCD underscore lounge system. And I'm at Walker Fox. And Vince, lay this on us. Uh, okay, so I reading it now... I, it occurs to me that this is more like probably like the, um, it's just too scary. Is that what you're afraid of? <laughs> you, just, you just don't want yeah. us to, to fuck with our listeners this badly. Yeah. I mean, once they hear that there, there's, there's no going back. Um, no, this, it seems more like something a sailor moon would say, or, maybe, <laughs> or maybe team rocket from Pokemon. Joker um, is a magic girl, <laughs> magical girl. Oh, that's too twisted for words. Okay. All right. Are you guys ready? Yeah, and then I, uh, I don't think I could ever be ready, but I'll try. <laughs> yeah. And then Vince, you gotta count us down so we can say it all, all right. at once. Three, two, one, let's go. <laughs> all Not right. for fame. Wait, one, <laughs> two, three. Not, not for, fame, for fame. And not, and for, not money. for money. To us, to us, the thought of crime, crime is, crime funny. is funny. <laughs> we do it for laughs, laughs and nothing, nothing more. more. That's how we roll I'm in the Joker in the Joker. I am not joking. I will pay for us all to get tattoos of this. <laughs> uh, well, after after going to the Eau Claire Festival last week, um, it wouldn't be in the top ten worst tattoos that I saw <laughs> over the weekend. So, um. <laughs> I, I like how you worked in the Scott Ackerman tweet. I had. To. Once once I had that, I knew I had to finish it up. I had to. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Remember, this content is free, and that's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you think would be better in this career switch? Christ. Bryce Harper and the Innocent Criminals? Or Ben Harper playing right field for the Nationals? (laughs) I think Ben Harper's probably pretty athletic, so I think he could get by a little bit on that. He doesn't play in the outfield, so the ball's not hit to him all that often. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't have to catch, right? Right. Yeah, I I think Ben Harper. Okay.